0: Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. Hey, so we're in this teaching series called Kingdom Builders. You guys enjoying this series so far? If you're joining us for the first time today or you've been, or you've been gone, let me catch you up. We're, in this series, we started out a couple weeks ago saying the idea here is that we're saying, God, at the end of 2021, when everything about us, if we're not careful on autopilot, wants to sort of get very self-centered and very me-focused, right? What if we decided to say, hey, God, based on everything you've done in my life, based on what you've given me, what you've brought me through, my past, my trials, my triumphs, my story, my time, my talents, my treasure, based on who I am and everything that you've done in and through my life, what can I bring back to you this year to build your kingdom and not just mine? Right? That's the question that I challenge you to start asking. Now, um, If you don't know, this is also part of this series, is an end-of-year offering that we do every year. That will be, if if this is your church, that will be next week, or depending when you're watching this online, December 12th. Is that the right date? December 12th. So if you're watching this past December 12th, then get your offering in. Let's go. Um, So we'll be doing that, and and we we get really excited about that. Uh, But here's what I know. I know that not everybody gets excited about that. That's what I know. Um, I know that any time money is talked about in church, and trust me, nobody feels it more than I do, um, it gets a little awkward, gets a little uncomfortable, it hits our emotions in some capacity, right? There there are some people who, and, and I've talked to them recently that are like, man, I love this time of year. This is how I serve the church. This is how I was built. This is how I was wired. I can't wait for the year-end offering, and I'm like, you're my favorite person in this whole church, bro. And then there's a bunch of us that it's it's kingdom builders time and and you hear a message today and you go oh yeah we do that don't we and my wife's probably gonna want to give again <laughs> never right? let's be honest hey can I just freeze some of you up you ever been in church and you heard those couples anytime there's something like this going on and the wife's like you, I went and prayed for a week and he went and prayed for a week and we came back together and it was the exact same number. Okay, that's never happened in our house. Never, all right? My wife comes back with crazy ideas. If we gave everything she wanted to give, we would be homeless. I'm just saying, babe, we would be homeless. And then we get in fights over it. Let this really free you up. We get in fights over what we're gonna give. How crazy is that? God's gotta be going, that's, that's my kid. <laughs> and I'm like causing drama in the house. And then, and then we, we argue and then she wins cause that's the way you stay married. And I know this because this week I will have been married 23 years to this amazing woman. Babe, I love you so much. So if this is your church, the question is God, based on everything you've given me or, or me and my family, depending on what your situation is, what would you have me do this year to build your kingdom, not just mine? But listen, if, if, if you're one of those people who it's like, I'm not excited, I'm not the, oh, yeah, here it comes, I'm the, it actually makes me angry. It actually bothers me. I, w- I want you to know I get it. I have sat in church and heard people talk about money and gotten very emotional about it, um, bothered. I question motives. I, I start, my head goes to worst case scenarios. I, I think about scams and scandals I've heard of in the past. and like you know, I, I get it. And so just just know this. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. We don't we don't want and this church doesn't need anything from anyone. This is God's church. The gates of hell aren't going to stop it and no offering or lack thereof is ever going to be able to mess with it. So I promise you I'm not worried about that. Don't don't, you have to do anything. But here's what I would do if I were you. Just ask God to speak to you today, and not even about finances. Throw that out the door, but understand that you are surrounded, whether you're watching in a building or online somewhere. Right now, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of us doing church together, and you're a part right now of a community of people where there are thousands of people that would say, I have been so changed by the power of Jesus Christ that I can't wait to give part of what I have back to build his kingdom and to help somebody else find out about the life-changing message that I have received. And if nothing else, let that sink in while I'm talking. Go, if there's a bunch of people who so believe in this thing, they so think they've experienced something that they're willing to give in a way that doesn't make sense to the rest of the world, then maybe I have a chance. Then maybe God could change my life. All right? So let that sink in. I do not come to you today with with a a nifty, tricky talk. Um, In fact, I was really kind of freed up myself recently. I was listening to a podcast my wife had sent to me, and and there was a pastor that I don't know him personally, but I just respect him from afar. And he he said, you know, I think, I don't think people are looking for tricky anymore. He said, I think people just want real, especially after everything we've all been through. He's like, you know what I think? I think people want, they want to know, what do you know? What have you lived through? And what do you cry over? And that just resonated with my heart so much that I thought, I know I'm talking about a touchy subject today, and so I don't come to you with rhyming points and communication tricks. I come to you today with, this is what I know, this is what I've lived, and this is what I've cried over when it comes to this topic. And and so that's what I bring you. Amen? We all right with that? Okay. So what I know about giving. Number one is I know giving is a God thing. Would you put up on, on the LED behind me, would you put up those uh, keyword occurrences in the Bible? Check this out. I heard a theologian actually say these words that you see on the screen, and then and the number of times that they're mentioned in the Bible, and in, in, in the spirit of complete honesty, I did not double check his work. Okay? So, um, I'm assuming because of who he is and and, and how many people pay attention to him that it's spot on, but let's say he's even slightly off. You get the point. Go ahead and throw that on the full screen again. I'm gonna read them. The word believe shows up 272 times in the Bible. The word pray 371 times. The word love shows up 714 times. And the word give shows up 2,152 times. And here's what I started thinking. The same God who said, I sent my son to this world to give you life and life to the fullest says, here's how I want you to start to experience it and uses the word give over 2,000 times in his word to us. I'm telling you what I know is giving is a God thing. And in Malachi, we we see this this book in Malachi, we see this is where it starts because oftentimes it's like, well, if I'm going to be a part of this thing and if I'm going to try to give God's way like... What, 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 what's the Bible actually say? And so I want to walk you through a little bit of that. This, for me, this is what, how I teach my boys. In fact, I just had this talk with one of my, my boys recently. And I was like, bro, I don't want you to give based on what I think. Let's get in the Word of God together and let's see what we should do. And here's the first passage we read Bring your whole tithe. That word tithe means tenth. Bring your whole tenth to my storehouse. That's the local place of worship. Now, I have in my notes to do this here in a few minutes, but I want to do it right now because here's what I know, and I alluded to it earlier, that this topic gets a little dicey for some people, and, and I have been in your seat. I have been one of those aggravated people when I hear stuff like this talked about. I want you to so grab onto the principle today and not let your emotions or, or, or those negative thoughts get in the way, That let me just free you up right now. If, if you don't trust me, if you don't trust this church, if you don't trust our motives, Here's what I'm going to challenge you to to, to take a step of faith and start tithing. I would just invite you to tithe to some other organization. Now, I don't think that's God's best plan for us. I think we're supposed to pick a place that we actually trust and love and then jump all the way in. But if you're here and you're like, I don't know about you, but I like the music. Trust me, I get that, too. Okay, Um, I like them better also. So here's what I would say. There are some amazing churches around town. Uh, Flatirons has campuses all over uh, the greater Denver area. Amazing church. Uh, Cherry Hills, right down the road. Um, I know they could use it. Um, I have a good friend named Doug Miller in Castle Rock. He runs a church called Plum Creek. I know they could use it. And you want to talk about a man of character and integrity? He is one. So you can send it there with confidence. Keep coming here and drinking all the coffee you want. Send your tithes somewhere else. I don't, God does not need a thing from us. This church does not need a thing from any one of us. Today is, I promise you, from my, the bottom of my heart, what I believe God wants us to receive through this process of giving that he set up, all right? So, so I'm gonna I'm challenge you to start taking a step of faith and start to tithe if you currently don't. But if you don't trust us, send it somewhere else. So get these, I don't trust his motives thing out of the way if you can. And let's see what God has to say. Bring your whole tithe my storehouse. Not part of it. He says, the whole tithe, the whole tenth. The only time in scripture that God says this, test me. He says, I know how how your heart gets tied to your resources. I created you. I know how you operate. So this is the only time I'm going to say it. Test me. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have room enough for it. That's a lofty promise from the creator of the universe. And, and we read about this principle called tithing 400 and some years before there was ever an Old Testament law. It's not an Old Testament law thing. It was way before the Old Testament law. It was part of the Old Testament law. Jesus talks about it in the New Testament. I'm telling you, this giving is, is, is a God thing. It just is. And the way I would tell my boys is, boys, we're, in our house, I want us to start with the tithe. And then we get generous after that. We say, God, here's the 10th, because I'm going to take you up on your promise that you're going to take care of the local church, the greatest evangelistic tool on the planet. And you're going to open the floodgates of heaven to me and my family when that becomes the case. And I'm just going to trust you. And then after that 10%, I'm going to hold the rest real loosely and go, God, now now I want to be generous. Now talk to me and lead me and guide me. That's how I teach my boys, okay? So this is not something that I knew I had to be show taught. And it was a youth pastor, a female youth pastor at this church where I gave my life to God at age 24. Her name was Jeannie. She had a, a great impact on my life, and I was meeting with her one day, and she was helping me set up my finances. I had just moved from LA to Rockford, just given my life to God, was trying to get my whole life sorted out, and finances was just one of the many areas that I was a wreck in. And so she starts going through, and they, oh, and they had given me a part-time job uh, at the church uh, just something to move to town with, nothing big, enough to like, you know, buy food and gas. And so she's like, now you got this little paycheck coming in. So let's, here's gas money and here's food money. And I was living with someone else. And um, so I didn't need rent money. And that was good because this check wasn't going to cover that anyways. And then she goes, oh, I forgot right up top. But I forgot to t- the tithe. I said, <laughs> I'm sorry. What, what'd you do there? <laughs> well, that number just changed. and I don't know what that word is. Who's tithe? <laughs> Cause he, I can't support him right now. She's like, oh, this is ten percent comes back to I don't know. I go, literally, I go, why? He's God. You see how small this paycheck is? He really needs my ten percent. Can we be honest in church today? Tell me you haven't felt that. I need my ten percent. And he knows my heart. Let me get up on my feet for a little while. Let me get out of debt first. Let me get secure first. And then we'll talk about tithe. I was mad. I was like, you know my situation. I literally had moved from LA to Rockford and all I had to my name was three cardboard boxes with stuff. And one of them was a VCR and rom-com and Tom Cruise VHS tapes. I kid you not. I had totaled my car, hit a fire truck, hilarious story actually, but I don't have time for it today, <laughs> totaled my car in LA right before I moved. And of course I didn't have the appropriate kind of insurance. So, but by car and I spent, I made great money, but I spent it all on drugs every week before I got saved. And a couple weeks after for honest, and, uh, I had no money. I had just lost my car, all the furniture I had bought with a roommate. So I couldn't really take it. So I took three boxes with me and a plane ticket and moved to Illinois. They gave me a hand me down car from the church, this rusted out station wagon. I lived with a guy named Mikey. Mikey, if you're out there, I love you so much, bro. I lived with a guy named Mikey and, and his parents at his parents' house. Had $20,000 worth of student loans, had two maxed out credit cards, probably another 20, 30 grand in maxed out credit cards and nothing. That's it. No plan, no anything. And I looked at this lady, and I was like, you see the situation I'm in. Why on earth would you ask me to give 10% away? It doesn't make any sense, which leads me to the second thing I know. I know giving can be hard. I know giving can be hard. I literally, I remember saying to her, I'm like, I have nothing. You know what she said? I never forgot it. She goes, then coming up with 10% of that shouldn't be much of a problem, should it? <laughs> oh, you're gonna get cute, huh? Now we're gonna get cute? I have nothing. Like, let me get settled and set, and then later, and she goes, Sean, you don't know this, but you will someday. Living by this principle only gets harder as you have more. Yeah, yeah. She's like, it doesn't get any easier. She, she goes, it, it, it takes faith no matter what, right? Here's, here's what I've learned over the years. It's not about how much you have. It's about how you steward what you have. There's a guy in Matthew, I think it's Matthew, is that right, yeah, Matthew chapter 19, who was loaded and has this amazing encounter with Jesus. And the Bible says he walks away sad because Jesus called him to a level of generosity that he's like, I can't, I have too much. I can't let go of this kind of wealth. And he misses everything God had in store for him. And, and then in, in Mark chapter 12, he celebrates a two-penny offering. Don't email me. I know it's probably not actually two pennies. That's just what I call it. Let's read this passage. You're gonna see it's not, it's not about how much we have. It's about how we steward what we have. Jesus sat down opposite the treasury. He's at church. They're in a church service. Okay, picture this. Jesus and some of his guys. And saw how the multitude cast money into the treasury. They're taking the offering. Many who were rich cast in much. A poor widow came and she cast in two small brass coins, which equal a quadrants coin. He called his disciples to himself. Picture this scene. Got some guys high rolling up in there, bringing some pretty hefty offerings. And then you got this poor widow. Think about the life that she's already been through, the struggle that she's already been through. And she brings in her two penny offering. And Jesus says, boys, come here. Guys, 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 guys! You got to see this. Get, get over here. Get over here. And you, you put yourself in the disciples. You got to be thinking like, oh, he's about to point out one of these high rollers. I saw it. I saw it. Come on, talk to me, Jesus. Jesus goes, no, 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 no. That's not. That's not what I'm impressed with. He said to them, "Most certainly, I tell you, this poor widow gave more than all those who are giving into the treasury, for they gave, they all gave out of their abundance." she, out of her poverty, gave all that she had to live on. What's Jesus saying to his, to his guys? Giving isn't about our circumstance. It's about our faith. Yeah, Giving isn't about our circumstance with Jesus. And it's not about an amount. It's about our faith. Because it always takes faith. 10%, when, when we think we're poor, and let's be honest, most of us who are watching this in person or online right now, on our poorest days, are still among the richest people on the planet. But when we feel poor, 10% feels like a lot. It takes faith. But then, what, what, if, what if you got a lot? Well, then 10% of what I have? Now, that's just crazy. It takes faith. Doesn't matter if you have a little, or a lot, or anywhere in between, it doesn't matter what our circumstance is, giving this way isn't about what we have, it's how we steward what we have, it's all about faith, it just is. And so Jeannie, she says to me in this conversation, she says, Sean, that, reread that passage. And I'm I'm reading it, and she's like, read it out loud. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a child. (laughs) I read it, she said, If you're financially struggling right now, why would you want to wait till a later date for God to open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you don't have room to contain it? Like you don't want to wait. You've never needed that more. And all of a sudden I was like, I didn't see it that way. Oh my gosh. Like I think she's right. And that was the day I decided I'm gonna give this tithing thing a try. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. To this day, giving is still hard for me. I love it. I love it after we're done. I don't like the process. I just don't. And, and it's my own baggage from just life. Um, I grew up really poor, and, and, and I've just always worried about money. And it's just, okay. And then I love it. And when I see what God does, I really love it. But it's always been, it's been harder for me than it is for my wife. It's just the truth. And, and, and I love being generous. It's just hard. And so with the tithe, now I'm not talking about, God, here's the rest. Here's the 90%. Now you instruct me. I'm talking about for the tithe. Here's what I remind myself, and it helps. And maybe it'll help you. I have to remind myself, I'm not giving God my 10%. I'm just returning it. That's right. That's I, I'm not giving him something that he didn't already. I'm just returning 1 Timothy six seventeen and 19, watch this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, and everybody on earth goes amen. But to put their hope in God, listen to this, who richly provides us with everything. Every single thing I have comes from God. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of, remember this, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Here it is again. I'm the same God who said, I came to bring you life to the fullest, and I'm trying to help you see one of the avenues to experience it. It's called generosity. Get on board, son. Get on board, daughter, because I got better for you. And there he said it, if you'll remember every single thing you have came from me in the first place, it starts to become a lot easier. And, and I know the temptation hear. Here's what we think, because I've heard people say that before. And the first thing I thought was, no, I bro, I, I've hustled. I've worked. I've struggled. I've made it happen. I put in the time. I get it. But here's what I also know. That um, several years ago I was in a field outside of Rustenburg, South Africa, and I, and, I, and I talked to a five-year-old boy because thousands of people who live in this field, almost every single one of them are dying of AIDS, and they're living in houses made of literally garbage. And both of his parents are dead, and he's wandering around lost because they both died from AIDS. And our guide says he just doesn't understand they've died yet. But it, but we're trying to get him some clean drinking water this week. And here's the way you get drinking water in Freedom Park, at least when I was there, is some not good people would bring dirty pond water in a wagon through Freedom Park, and they would go to families with girls who might not have AIDS yet and say, I'll give your family drinking water, which is so dirty, it will make you sick, but you'll live this week, but I get to sleep with your daughter, and so as of today, you can, you can stay alive, but your daughter gets AIDS. I stood there, and I watched it, and I bawled, and I bawled, and I bawled, and let me tell you, if I'm that five-year-old kid, all the hustle and grind I have in the world doesn't get me where I am today, where I am today is a result of where I was born and the things God gave me that I never earned or deserved. And that's true for every single one of us. And the breath in my lungs, I don't accomplish anything again if I don't have to. Everything I have comes from God. So my tithe, I'm just bringing part of it back. Flip, let's go happy for a second. <clears throat> I was out of town last week and I rented a car. And I was, I was thinking about this message because I had this sickness that no matter what I'm doing in life, I'm always thinking about like, what am I going to talk about next to church? And every, like my kids will say something and instead of just enjoying it, I get out my phone and I go, say that again. <laughs> That's a great sermon illustration, bro. So I'm pulling into the rental car place and I'm thinking about this message and I start having this scene go off in my head and I'm like, I almost start laughing out loud. Here's what I was thinking. I was like, what if, what if when I pulled out, it said, it said, it said return lane and, and it, a big hurt sign. And what if as I pull my Ford Focus into the return lane um, and, and Karen comes out with her little, did you fill it up with gas, you know, thing. And what if, I was thinking, what if I put one of those huge red car lot bows on the top of the hood and bring it down the return lane. I'm like, Karen, put the thing down. Come here, come here, come here. I got, I got you something. <laughs> Get your boss. Get everybody. Get the whole team. Get everybody. Karen, gather around everybody. Hurts employees. I feel like Karen has gone unappreciated for too long. I got her something. Karen, I want you to have this for a few focus. Here, everybody, get over there. Let me take a picture. Let me post. Let me post about the the gift I got you today. And I was thinking about this in my head, and I started laughing. My son's like, what are you doing? I'm like, don't worry about it. How crazy would that be, right? You can't give her the Ford Focus. It was already theirs. All you can do is return it. I can't give God my tithe. It was already his. All I get to do is return it and it helps me to remember I'm just returning, it just helps me in my mind. Number three, I know this, I know obedience brings peace. I'm having that conversation with Jeannie about my tithe and for the first time in my life, I was like, I'm gonna go all in on this God thing. And she said, well, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to go into the finance office and you need to have them set it up on automatic withdrawal. I was like, now you've gone too far. All right, you've gone too far. I'm like, why? What? I don't." She goes, if you make the decision to live this way, then let's make it consistent. She said, why? Because you know you and you'll have an emotional argument with yourself for the rest of your life every two weeks as to if you should keep doing it. If you make the decision to actually do it, then why don't you just make it consistent? Go in there, set it up to come out of your paycheck and call it a day. And I was like, wow. Now that's, that's commitment. And we didn't have apps and websites and all the cool stuff that we have now. And so I had to literally go into the finance office and I had to talk to a really nice lady named Connie and Connie did not like me very much. I'm just being honest with you. Jill laughed because she knows. She remembers. Connie, if you're out there watching, forgive me. I was a terrible intern. I replaced carpet in a room without asking. I know, I know. I'm as mad as you are, Connie. I wasn't much better as a youth pastor. I was always in trouble with Connie. She ran the church finance office. So I went into Connie. and I said, Connie, I need you to oh, take out 10% every time. I just did it. I was scared to death to do it, because like I said, I got a lot of baggage when it comes to money. I just, I, we, we grew up poor, and again, our poor, by the world standards, are doing pretty good. I, all I knew as a kid was the standards of the kids I went to school with, and the standards of kids on my baseball team, and they didn't live in a trailer house like I did when I was little, and I mean, when we would win a game and we'd go to McDonald's, they didn't have the same conversations that I had. Like, they all went inside McDonald's, and I sat outside in the car every single time with my dad, and he would have the same talk with me, and he was a big, burly guy, big old beard, and just, you don't mess with him. And he goes, Hey, when we go in here, don't be ordering a Happy Meal. He didn't, he didn't want to have to have this embarrassing conversation inside in front of everybody. So he's like, No, don't, no, don't be ordering a Happy Meal. And it's not a cheeseburger, son we get a hamburger, and we don't get Coke, we get water. You understand? Every time we had that conversation. I didn't understand. I'm I'm a kid, I'm eight, I'm nine. I want the Happy Meal box because that's what all my friends are getting. What I didn't understand and I do now is, is we didn't have the money to be there to, to begin with. But my dad was trying his best to go, I want you to feel like you're part of this team. I want you to feel a little bit normal. But the truth is, I can't really afford for us to even be here at McDonald's. And the difference between a hamburger and a Happy Meal makes a real difference in our house. I didn't realize any of that. I just knew I didn't feel the same as the other kids. And so as a little kid growing up, there's only, there's only two things I knew about what I wanted to be when I grew up as a man. I'd never met my biological father. I wanted to be a dad. And I wanted to be a good one. And I didn't want to be poor. That's all I knew growing up. And I have worried about money ever since I was old enough to know you could worry about money. I worked every single day after school from the age of 14 on. I worked at a horse farm in Kansas from 14 on. And from 14 on, I always bought my own clothes, always paid for my own gas, everything. And I always worried about money. Ever since I was old enough to know what money did, I was worried about it. So now I'm in this office and I'm telling this lady to take 10% out of my paychecks. And here's what I experienced. John 14, 27 says, when the Holy Spirit reminds you of God's word and then you act on it, here's what happens. Peace I leave with you my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. I have been worrying about money my entire life. I've never been this poor because I'm about 50,000 in debt and have nothing in the bank and just signed off 10% of my very small upcoming check. And I walked out of this office with more financial peace in my life than I'd ever had my entire life. I, literally, I remember the conversation in the parking lot. I remember walking out going, okay, God, I'm, pu- I'm taking you up on your promise. And I remember telling him, my problems are now your problems. Good luck with that, brah, because you're in a hole. <laughs> I'd never had more confidence. I'd never had more faith. I'd never had more Peace. It's because God knows I want you to have life to the fullest. I'm giving you an opportunity and something that you can or can't. You don't have to, but you can choose to do this. And when you do, when you obey in this fashion, my peace becomes part of your life. And I have peace for the first time. Three things that I'm going to stop there. I know giving is a God thing. Giving can be hard, but obedience brings peace. I've lived it. God pouring out blessing from the floodgates of heaven. I've just lived it. And it's not just money. This is not a tie to a church and God gets you a Rolex talk. I don't believe in that. But I do believe in what his word says, that he opens the floodgates of heaven and pours out so much blessings that we don't know how to handle it. Sometimes it might be finances. For us, sometimes it has been finances. Sometimes it's things like courage and strength and peace and joy and purpose it's all kinds of things. Like he created blessings so he can do it in any form or fashion he wants. But he said, that's just part of the way it works for me. And, and it's just, it's, he tells us about it too many times for us to not take serious. This week, me and Jill will have been married 23 years. I told you that earlier. You don't have to clap again, but I appreciate the woo. When we got married... I had still my credit card debt, my 20000 of student loans. She had 20000 of student loans. Neither of us had a savings account to speak of. She might have had a little bit. You probably had a little bit, didn't you? Yeah, you probably had a little bit. Good for you. She's so good at everything. No? Oh, she said no. Okay, neither of us did. I love you even more. She wanted me for my money. So, But we made a decision when we got married. We tithed. And we were, to us, very, very poor. Um, We were were both making very little. Um, Our our average income probably would have been below poverty line. Um, Small little apartment, it was like a duplex. And I remember like, I remember times when we would open the mail. Remember when you used to actually get mail? Like you'd open those and you cared what was in it? We would open the mail and it would be like uh, car insurance. And I remember, like, there'd be tears. Like, what are we gonna do? There'd be, there's one time when it was like a tax bill, and we were like, how did this happen? How did we not? And we got our tax return thing, and it was like, you owe $400. And I remember us being like, like, there's, there's tears. Like, what? We don't, we can't, we don't have, we didn't even think about going out to eat. We didn't even think about clothes shopping. We didn't think about any of that stuff. A, a, a big date night for us. Remember, remember the blockbuster nights, babe? That was big date night to us. We'd go to Blockbuster. If we can, we get the 99 cent, right? But every now and then you got to splurge for the $1.99 aisle, and we'd, we'd get a VCA, VCR. No, no, we had the VCR. Sometimes we had to rent the VCR, didn't we? Yeah, she's like, why didn't you just have me preach? Um, <laughs> we we'd get a movie, and we go, go home, and someone had given us a couch, and it was too small for two people to lay on, and it was, it was suspect anyways. And so we would lay on the floor, and watch a movie, and then we would rewind that thing ASAP and get it back, because we couldn't afford a, due, a late fee or a you didn't rewind fee. But that was like, I mean, we were just, we are struggling. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to, and I was the one interning to be a pastor at this point. Maybe we should hold off on that Tide thing right now. And we're just struggling. Jill would always correct me, mm-mm. In fact, something she used to say when we were really struggling is this, she'd go, this month, I have no clue how we're gonna make it, so we really need to look for a place to give now. That's that's just how we've operated. 23 years now, that's how we've operated. We made no money. I I, I ended up getting a youth pastor job at the church, and I think I made about $30,000 for six straight years, never got a raise. She made maybe about the same or a little less as an administrative assistant, but I'm telling you, God turned our faithfulness into like our dreams. We ended up building a dream house that there's no way we ever could have afforded, shouldn't have been able to do. We had family. We had friends. We loved our jobs. We loved everything. We just built this new house. Like We were so like, oh my gosh, look what God has done. And all of a sudden, one day we felt like he said, now I want you to walk away from that. We're like, wait, what? This doesn't make much sense. We started praying about it and decided to come here and join Scott and Lori Brugman in this thing that they were about to start called Red Rocks Church. And it's it's crazy because when we came, we didn't, we lost our jobs. We lost our health insurance. Jill was pregnant with our second son. We were living in somebody else's apartment, no job, no family, no clue of how it was going to work. And and in this little apartment, it had this little like ledge from the kitchen to the little living area. And Jill had a piece of paper there, and she would always write on it. She, she does the finances in our house because she's smart. And um, I'm smart enough to know that she should do the finances. And so she would write down all the things, right? And it was like we had, we had a, a son who was just turned turn two. And, and a brand new baby. And so it'd be like, you know, baby food and diapers and gas money and this and this. And then she'd always write the number down here and she'd always circle it. And then she'd go, babe. We don't have it. And, and, and it's, it's crazy because I started talking to some people that, that aren't in the church world. And they were like, what are you doing? Like, this is Crazy. I think anybody who isn't kind of in this, like I'm just sold out for Jesus and I'm willing to take whatever risks there are, would kind of look at that decision and go, "You quit your jobs and you move this city and you put everything in jeopardy and you... Lo- what are you doing?" And I sometimes people will ask me, like, "How did you do that?" And you know what's weird is I started thinking about it this week and I was looking back and even when we were looking at the number that didn't work, I never thought it was crazy. I never thought what we were doing was crazy, and I think it's because. I had just spent 10 years of my life going, I know the finances look weird, but I think we're walking in the will of God, which means the floodgates of heaven are open, which means he's got that too. And I just never felt like it was crazy. And you know what? We never went without a meal. We never missed anything we needed. And we're still here today. And I'll tell you right now, we didn't miss a tithe and I wouldn't change it if I could. I've just lived it. And when I talk about God doing things in your life, blessing you in ways that you go, that one shocked me. I took my son Ashton out to dinner recently for his 13th birthday. And when my boys turn 13, I give them a list of questions and they have to answer about becoming a man. What kind of man do you want to be? How do you want to be remembered? How are you going to stay pure through high school? What kind of people should you surround yourself? All these questions that we go through. And my son Ashton, he got to the question of how do you want to be remembered as a man? And one of the first things he said is, Dad, I want people to know I'm generous. And I felt the floodgates were more than I could contain. I was overwhelmed with emotions. Because I know how hard it's been to trust God with our finances. And now we have another generation. And they've watched mom and dad trust God in the good times and trust God in the bad times. And now my son's saying, I want to be generous. I'm just like, I've lived it. I wouldn't change a thing if I could. And again, I'm not telling you any of this to try and get you to give to this church. If you miss, don't trust my motives. Give, give, give your money somewhere else. I'm just telling you, I, think, I don't think it's a coincidence that he says, I want you to have life to the fullest. And then he talks about giving as much as he does. Lastly, what I've cried over. Put that up so I can remember it. The purpose attached to our generosity. We're about to show you a video, a few minutes long. The first thing you're going to see on this video is me, 17 years ago, I filmed a fundraising video. I apparently didn't eat enough and had way too much hair dye. You'll see what I mean. We hadn't started Red Rocks Church yet, and I was sending a video out to some friends and family, and I asked them to ask the same question that me and Jill just asked ourselves this week, based on what you've given me right now, what would you have me do?" And I said, I just just got a feeling. I just got a feeling that God's up to something special here, and would you get involved? And then I asked Carson and Co. this week, that's our creative video team, what I call them, Carson, Ben, and Hayes, and I said, hey guys, would you, um, would you look through the archives and just throw together some random clips of what has happened over the years since? As you watch this, here's what I want you to take in. Number one, if this is not your church and you don't wanna be a part of giving at all and you're wondering why you came, that's perfectly fine. I want you to hear the life-changing stories and realize that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when he changed lives that you're about to see here, means he'll change yours today no matter what your situation is. Every single person you're gonna hear on this video was in a situation where they thought they were too far gone, okay? If you've ever contributed financially to Red Rocks Church in 17 years, I want you to watch this video with some ownership. I want you to watch this video, because here's what I know. I could look at multiple faces right now in this room. And I know, I know the sacrifice a bunch of you have made at times like this. And you've said, God, we want to take a a leap of faith. We want to take a risk to build your kingdom. I've watched you do it. As you watch this video, will will you let God remind you today? That's why. Hmm. that's what happened. That was the byproduct. And if you think God might be speaking to you about starting to get involved in this way now, then as you watch this video, just understand, this is why we do what we do, amen? Watch this. Uh, by the time you get this video, we'll be just about ready to have our first church service right here in this room. And I I can't wait. I can already see the salvations that are going to take place in this room. I see people getting baptized in here and being discipled in here. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited for what God is going to do right here. The first service I knew that this is where I was supposed to be, I knew this is where God was putting me. I went from completely being a lost cause, as soon as I got this good news, like it completely changed my life. I, for the first time, have self-respect, self-purpose, and um, I don't feel alone and I feel loved and forgiven. Coming to this church on the day that I did, God had a plan for me. I felt that. I didn't have a very strong definition of love until that day. Now I carry that with me wherever I go. Once I actually attended church for the first time, it just kind of overtook my life. Um, I wanted—I was kind of like a child again. Like I just wanted to learn everything about it. Red Rocks is such a strong community. Um, it's, it's a family and I think that I found my home here. I found my family here. The people at Red Rocks showed me the love first that I didn't deserve and that allowed me to keep going back. Thank you um, for just being on fire for the Lord and being a group of people that has been so welcoming um, and has just welcomed me and my family with open arms. I felt really alone, a lot, but I don't, I don't know. I would not be as strong as I am today Without Christ in my life. It was because of Him and everybody here at Red Rocks that I'm able to stand up and tell everybody my story. The only time I ever had any shred of peace was when I was able to come to Red Rocks. It was the first time in a long time that I had actually felt understood. And if not, them loving on me and telling me how much god loves me and how much he values me and if not for that i wouldn't be here without you inviting me i would be so lost and my eternity would not be set i'm just eternally grateful for you taking a risk for you humbling yourself to invite A wretched person like me. This time right now is where I'm supposed to be because for the first time in my life I have true faith in Him. The things that I went through that pushed me away is gonna help me bring other people to know Him. I just felt like I found purpose. It's just been unbelievable to see God working. Would you stand up with me at every single location? Church, I absolutely love getting to be a part of this church family with you. And If you ever ask yourself, why do I do it? Why do I show up? Why do I give? Why do I serve? Why do I pray? Why do I invite? Why, do I, why am I in groups? Why am I? That's why. That we know of. 48,712 people have put their faith in Jesus in what's almost 17 years of Red Rocks Church. That's unheard of, you guys. And I believe with every ounce of my being, we really are just getting started. And so if you wonder why do they do this thing called Kingdom Builders and why are they asking me to ask God? That's why. Because I believe this I believe this thing that Jesus built called the church that he said, it's so powerful that the gates of hell will never stop it. I do believe it's one of the greatest evangelistic tools on the planet. And I believe it's an absolute honor to get to be a part of it with you. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you that you've got us here together for a very specific purpose, a very specific plan. I pray you would speak to every single one of us. Maybe it's about finances today, maybe it's about something completely different. Maybe it's about salvation today, maybe it's about a hope today. Maybe it's about some peace and some joy and some much needed courage today. God, whatever it is, would you speak to us right now? We're open and we're listening. We're we're ready. With everyone's eyes closed, I want to ask I want to ask a question. I know we spoke about finances a lot today, but the truth is you're watching in person or online and you just see you just saw those stories of of people's lives being changed by the power of God and the truth is you go you know what I need that I need the life change that they were talking about I need the hope that they were talking about I need the eternal security and the 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 knowledge that I'm going to heaven forever, like they were talking about. I need that. And if you just know, like, this is it. Today is my day. I can feel it in my heart. God is calling me right now to put my faith in him. Say yes to him. From this point forward, I'm not going to be perfect. I don't know how it's going to work. But today I want to say yes to following Jesus. I just can feel it. He's calling me. If that's you right now at every location, just put your hand up. Say, that's me. That's me. I know it. I can feel it. He's calling me today. That's it, that's it. Praise God, praise God, praise God. God, I thank you for the eternal lives that are being changed literally around the world right now. And God, I thank, th- I thank you for this church. I wanna say thank you for every single person who has sacrificed in a million different ways over the last almost 17 years. And I pray today, God, that they would, they would feel a sense of ownership in their heart that their time and energy and efforts have not been wasted, but that you're using them for eternal purposes. And God, I pray that that would lift up their spirits today, that would build up their faith today. I pray for anybody struggling with any sort of anxiety, depression, hopelessness, uh, mental or physical illnesses today. God, I pray for a special touch in Jesus' name. I pray that people would be set free and healed today in Jesus' name. And I pray that as we begin to worship you, we would start to experience your peace and experience your joy and walk in your freedom in Jesus' name. And everybody said, let's worship.